Hey, founders, welcome back to another episode of the Gab Lab, show that's designed to bring you financial intel that won't only just blow your mind, but it's there to help you build your bottom line as well. I'm your show host, Tony Woods Richardson, and today's guest is financially fierce founder, Ms. Brady Johnson. She is the founder of Encompass Fitness Studios. And listen, if you've been looking for an episode that has some kick-ass motivation, get you going in your business, this is one you will not want to miss. She's going to walk us through what it took to see COVID as a catalyst to completely transform her business, and at the same time, transforming the mindsets and the bodies of the clients that she serves. All right, we're going to see you in the lab. Looking forward to it. See you there. All right, Brady, here we are. Thank you so much for joining us in the Gab Lab. So appreciate you being here. Thank you for having me. Uh, Brady, I am, um, I, I'm excited for a number of reasons why you're here, but you and I have had an opportunity to work together over the last, whatever this is, March, April, May, June. Oh my gosh, is it going on 14, 16 months? I, I was through a pandemic and I have marveled at your, your strength, your tenacity, your resilience through this whole pandemic. And um, for me, when I think about the work that you've done, it wasn't that COVID didn't, um, didn't frighten you. I think everybody, you know, we were kind of thrown off of our access, but you faced the fear, you fell forward, you walked through it. You're like, okay, we're going to look at this as an opportunity and figure out how to do things differently. So thank you for having that courage to do it. And thank you for being here to kind of talk a little bit about that journey and, and what that looked like and uh, how that all pertains to, you know, one of my favorite topics, money finances. Oh, so maybe I'm obviously aware of your, your business and what you do, but maybe share with the, the listeners or the watchers um, a little bit about Encompass Fitness. You started in 2014, correct? Yes. Yeah. It was, goes, goes back. And were you in a different city? Cause right now Estevan runs out of Estevan and, and we'll get to that. Cause it's, it's, further reaching now you've got you've got arms into different uh, communities but it started in Regina correct it did start in Estevan actually oh it did start in Estevan yeah. okay this is why we do the show we get really locked in on this did you expand to Regina at all why do I have Regina on my no but I did go to university in Regina so okay. I did live there so there is a correlation gotcha all right so you started up the studio what was your intention to start up the studio? Did you have a goal in mind? What was the catalyst to actually start the business? Yeah, I always knew that I wanted to be a business owner one day. My parents had been business owners um, and I was quite young. I was 23, fresh out of university and I just saw a need. There wasn't a lot offered for individuals um, to take care of themselves and their health in Estevan and especially not in a supportive, encouraging, welcoming way. And so, it really just started organically. I had a full-time job and it was something I was doing on the side and then realized that I could do it full-time. And was fitness always a part of your life? Is that why you saw the opportunity? Because you were in it and you were just kind of embedded in the, in the industry as a whole? Yeah, growing up, um, I lived rurally, so outside of, our, of Esteban, and I fell in love with fitness from a young age. It was really my coping mechanism. Um, I didn't always fit in or have a lot of friends growing up, and so fitness was something I turned to. Um, really just gave me confidence. It gave me something to do, and I was just fascinated by learning about it and how it changed my life and just made me more positive and optimistic and resilient, and I really wanted to share that with other people. 
Oh, I love that. And I know um, you've expressed willingness today to talk a little bit about the correlation between fitness and finance and how a lot of people have resistance to both and maybe some of the, the, the parallels between the two. But I'm curious, going back to the business, when you started it up, did you have a... The, the goal, I know you talked about the catalyst being seeing an opportunity to create a, a wellness program for people in the community, but did you have an end goal in mind with respect to the business itself, like what you actually wanted to build? I didn't. And I'm sort of atypical, but I did not have a business plan. I did not have a strategy. I just started it and built it as I, as I went. Um, my first when I first started teaching, I, I think I put it on Facebook that I was teaching a park or class in the park. And I just hoped that someone would show up. So it wasn't just me and like a boom box hanging out in the park. And I didn't charge for a very long time. Um, and then we have winter in Saskatchewan. <laughs> so we had to transition to indoors. And that's when I realized if I was going to um, continue and rent a space that I would have to charge. And so, um, yeah, money, it, the business was not intended to make money or to have an end goal. It was really just an end to a means and a way to help others. Oh, okay. There's a whole, there's a whole basket to unravel there that I want to dig into. But um, I know typically with Neil, the numbers, we don't get onto the behavioral side of finance, you know, as much as I love to dig into that, but I am curious because you've kind of opened that door now on the money side of things. So, and, and just so you know, and for everybody watching, I, I don't think you're atypical. I think this is how most businesses start, right? It's like, I love doing what I do. I'm not going to put a formal plan in place because most entrepreneurs don't like formality and don't like the detail, right? But let's talk about charging and having to attach prices to products and services. So maybe can you tell us a little bit about, I'm going to ask about your relationship with money, but where was the hesitation to actually putting a price on it? Where did that come from? Have you explored that or is that too loaded of a question? Yeah, no, I think there was, um, it was a few things combined. One growing up, um, I had a very fixed mindset and always believed that numbers were not for me. Like I'm not good at math, I can't do that. Um, and so I did have a big fear around that, just a belief that, you know, it was too complicated. I didn't know what I was doing. Um, but then I think there's the internal side of that as well, where I didn't know what my worth was and I didn't know what to charge and I didn't feel comfortable charging. Um, I really just wanted to help people and I would have done it out of the goodness of my heart, but I know that that's not sustainable either. So I really reached that tipping point where um, it was my clients actually that said, you need to start charging us. Like you can't do this yeah. um, for free forever. And again, I don't think you're alone in that. I think that especially um, I see this with a lot of women business owners, this fear of value, right? Value of what they're offering, stemming from value of self. There's that whole kind of there's that whole tie in there. So thanks for being so vulnerable there and actually putting that story out, because I know there's a lot of founders that are going to benefit from hearing that. So we're going to talk about how you, you how you got around that. I don't want to say slowly got around that. Maybe it was overnight. It was like, boom, you know, you're, you're good to go. But if we had to um, kind of dig into your relationship with money, just, just a quick fire round. Did you, did you, um, did you love it or hate it when you think about it? I really hated it to be honest. Okay. Yeah. Did you see it as good or evil? 
Um, I think at that time, I really saw it as neutral. It wasn't okay. good or evil. Um, it just was. And I think okay. that's part of my upbringing too. Okay. And when you thought about money and, and the financial aspect in business, did it strengthen you or did it weaken you? Just the thought of it. The thought of it gave me so much anxiety. Okay. <laughs> weaken, I guess that would say. That would be a weaken. Oh, and I'm curious, this is kind of an interesting uh, um, uh, juxtaposition to look at, but push or pull. So when you think about the motivations and I, so I'm going to use money, but if we, if we talk about money and, and profit and just doing well, succeeding in business financially, did you come from a place of this is where I want to be, which is kind of a pull strategy. It's like pulls you out of the weeds or were you trying to push back um, negative thoughts and emotions? And I don't want to go there. I don't want to repeat that cycle. Or I, you know, you're trying to repress um, negative aspects of money just out of curiosity. Yeah, I'd say it was a combination of both being pulled towards something um, like a vision pulled toward the vision of what I could create, but also pushing. Um, I mean, as I mentioned, I grew up maybe not having a lot of friends or not fitting in. And so I think there was a lot of me wanted to prove people wrong. And so that was the push. I'm pushing away from that. Um, and so there was a very like masculine drive really to prove people wrong, to show my parents that I could do it. Um, and I really had to come face that head on at one point in my business too. Yeah. Well, that's, that's huge. Just the fact that you're aware of all of those things, right? I suspect that, especially when we're in the middle of it, we're not really truly understanding our motivations, where they come from, what's driving us. So the fact that you've been able to nail that, that's huge, 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 huge. So out of curiosity now, when you start looking at this relationship with money and all the dynamics that are going on personally for you, as we start to move those over to the business, how did they impact the business specifically, anything that came out of that relationship, or was it just this motivation to just do it, nail it, prove everybody wrong? Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, I mean, once I did start charging because I had a full-time job um, and some people refer to me as a squirrel. So I really squirreled away everything. Um, I grew up, um, my parents were fairly well off. Um, they had a few businesses, but I always grew up working for them and we, we didn't get paid. Our pay was just the lifestyle that we had. And so I also believe that like, if you work, things will just take care of themselves. Um, and so working to try to take care of myself and the business and really squirreling everything away, but it did allow me to do everything debt-free, um, with a little bit of my parents' help. And so, um, right from the beginning, building it ground up, not buying equipment until I had the money to pay cash for it. Um, so money was also like that sense of security, um, taking that risk or investing in myself and the business. Um, I wasn't comfortable with that. So I think there was a lot of that push of, I need to, mm. I need to feel safe. I need to feel comfortable that I have the finances. Um, and then seeing with hiring employees, that was probably, um, starting the business was a risk, but hiring employees was probably the, the biggest risk that I took. So what, why, why did you see that as the biggest risk? What was the risk associated with it? I think a bit of martyrdom where I could, you know, I can take care of myself, 
Mm -hmm. um, and if I don't have to pay myself, that's fine. Um, but what if I'm responsible for putting food on someone else's table? That really steps the game up a level and requires more out of me, or I felt that that was my responsibility. Wow. So I want to explore two things there. So the one of the things that's always um, that you have always inspired in me when I when I watch you at work is your willingness to embrace the fear and walk through it, yet your willingness to do it. So when you talk about being in the park and needing to charge and having to step up and make that decision and get through it, when you talk about this next step of now I need to employ people if I'm going to grow the business and how do you how do you get through that? What is your what is your what is your thread? Uh, what is your motivation? Where do you get the strength and courage to actually see the fear and to walk through it? How do you do that? A lot of self reflection, definitely, okay. um, but really like stepping back to be able to process what is the fear, um, what is the worst that could happen, and quite often for myself, it's um, I'm the last person to believe in myself. When I started the business, I had a friend um, who gave me $100 in an envelope um, that said, hey, if you ever need groceries, like you're taking a risk, I believe in you, but here's something. Um, and that combined with my boss saying, you know, what took you to so long to quit and, and go off on your own? Um, so a lot of times it's, I have to get to the point where I believe in myself enough to, to take that risk or to walk through the fear and just thinking about others as well. Um, a lot of times um, my own fears will hold others back. So if I don't address um, our financials in the business, you know, that will impact our members, it impacts our team. Um, and so really looking at, you know, what am I responsible for not taking that responsibility on, but how can I better myself to mm. be able to make a difference in that and walk through it? Wow. Okay. So that's really powerful. So the first thing I'm hearing is, um, it, and I love this because I think it's contrary to what a lot of people will say. You just feel it and you walk through it anyways. You're actually saying you, 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 you see it and then you step back from it. You don't walk forward right away. You step back, you process, you figure out what are you fearful of, what's going to happen on the other side, and then you move forward. So I love, I love that piece. And, and then the other thing I heard in that is that sometimes if you can't do it for yourself, find a reason to do it for others. To your point of your employees are counting on you to do it. Your clients are counting on you to do it. So finding that motivation in the people around you and the people that are banking on you to actually get through your own garbage. And, and that's my word, not your word. Your stuff isn't garbage. I'm just saying all that, all that, uh, the, the emotional fear and discord and anxiety and stress that I think um, numbers and finances cause a lot of people. So thank you for that. I think that um, those are two really, really sound pieces of solid advice there and suggestions. I'm also curious when you talk about some of the assets, you talked about the, your early relationship with your parents and then this need for security. And so not taking on debt because debt then I'm assuming I'm going to put words in your mouth, but I'm thinking then debt to you means feeling insecure. Yes. I felt very insecure and very, um, very anxious in the sense that, you know, I couldn't rest till it was paid off. Um, and so that was, it was just like a heavy weight of what if I 
can't come up with that or what if um so lots of what ifs and just lots of pressure I would say is to do 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 like Mm -hmm. I couldn't relax until that pressure was lifted and so to really try and do that debt free um which I was also raised my parents always taught me that if you can't pay for something that you don't you don't purchase it okay it's it's interesting isn't it I find that um it's always our perception to the situation, whether it's debt, right? And feeling the pressure. Some people don't feel pressure with debt. They see opportunity in debt. But I, I love that you're, you're sharing this here because I'm not, I'm not here to say whether debt is right or wrong, but it's always interesting to go into these scenarios to figure out our, our emotions that are attached to it. And you are in an advantageous position right now of really not carrying any debt, right? Like you're, you're, you're for the most part debt free with the exception of maybe some, some COVID um, funds there. Um, So where do I want to go with this next? So I am curious when COVID came on, you were, you were actually, you were doing, you were doing well with Encompass, then COVID hits, COVID took a huge toll on restaurants and the, the fitness industry overall. So what was, what was your opportunity through COVID? Because you've done some remarkable stuff through COVID, but how, how did you choose to see it as a, as a catalyst? What did that whole process look like in the early days for you? What was going on in your, in your mind? Yeah, I suppose I should preface it even to before COVID. So I believe I reached out to you in February of 2020 um, before COVID really That's hit. right. Yeah. Of it. But at that point I was not paying myself in my business and I hadn't for quite some time, which is why I reached out to, to you, um, to really help. I knew that it wasn't sustainable and I wasn't leading others well, if I couldn't take care of myself mm-hmm. financially. So a lot of martyrdom going on. Um, but it was really incredible to, um, start to work together and then go into COVID actually coming out more financially fierce really than um, pre-COVID. Like COVID was a catalyst or a blessing for me to be able to, um, again, step back, look at our finances, figure out how everything would work. We moved locations during that time to save some money. Um, We really stepped up our business game um, in terms of supporting our members and then creating a plan to come through COVID, which we'd always had, I had had this vision for rural fitness for um, a few years now, just not sure of how it would work and what it would look like. And COVID actually allowed us to put that in motion. So sometimes we need like that catalyst to actually spur us into action. Yeah. It, and so COVID may have been the catalyst, but Brady, you absolutely seized it right? Like it was there for everyone to grab onto, for everyone to take. But I have to say, and I don't know everybody else's story, but I do know your story. And you absolutely grabbed the bull by the horns. You made it work. And I think what was so incredible um, to witness as, as we went through COVID and as you started to change your business is to your point, you just showed up so powerfully in each moment as it unraveled. And I think, you know, one of the the biggest gifts of COVID is I think it took lots of our armor off, right? Where we weren't trying to get things perfect and we weren't trying to be everything to everybody and we didn't have all the answers. And then that, what I saw in you is just that ability to let your members know 
We have no idea what tomorrow's gonna look like, but here's what today looks like. Here's what we can do for you right now. It won't be perfect, but let's do it, right? Life isn't perfect, let's go through it. So um, that was just, it, that was incredible to, to watch you in action and such a gift. And I, I so look forward to every time that we would connect weekly because you had some other incredible piece of news to share about, you won't believe what happened, but this happened, right? And it was just these building blocks of just um, just greatness and, and goodness as we as, as you went through that process, kind of implementing everything. And, you know, I, I also want to just, again, tip my hat to the, um, the authenticity of your story in those early days around not paying yourself. Um, because really, in my experience, most business owners don't pay themselves properly, right? They just take the scraps, they take what they can get. Um, and this is a big piece of the work that you've done is to recognize your contribution and there is no business without Brady in it. So um, getting that, uh, getting paid and getting paid properly. All right, I am, I'm really curious to get your insights on the correlation between fitness and health how we take care of our body, how we take care of money, our mindset around that whole thing. How, how do we start to unpack that one a little bit? Yeah, I was actually just talking about this with a friend last night. Um, and what it really, I believe, comes down to is being willing to invest. Um, so whether it's your finances or whether that's in yourself, but I find um, a lot of times um, you know, I'll do a consultation with someone and they'll say, oh, I just, you know, I can't afford it. Or, um, you know, we'll hit something like COVID and um, their health is the first thing to go, but yet I'll see them purchasing a new vehicle. And so um, I, I do believe it comes down to your priorities, but also just that willingness to invest in ourselves. And I think when that level of self-worth isn't there, um, if you don't believe that you're worth it or you don't um, believe that you need to take care of yourself or have the time to take care of yourself. Um, you're not going to, but I think that it really does match or parallel your finances. If you're not willing to, you know, invest your money and do something uncomfortable, like giving up maybe other purchases that you would like, how are you going to invest your time or your effort or your energy to take care of your body? Yeah. No, absolutely. And I wonder too, as you know, as you're, as you're talking, I'm thinking about that, that comment that you made around not paying yourself in those early days. And um, this, you know, I see it so frequently amongst business owners. And to me, the question comes to mind, why, why is it okay that everybody else take, gets taken care of, um, but, but you don't. And all of this, the, the sacrifice and with, without most founders actually even recognizing what it is that they're building, right? It's not that, oh, well, I'm going to sacrifice here because long-term in five years, I'm actually building a business that's worth 3 million. So the long-term foresight isn't there. And the short-term is always just about, well, everybody else comes first and I come last. And I think with fitness too, right? We can make those excuses around, got to get breakfast on the table for the kids, got to take them to school, got to work with the employees. But in, I love that idea of investing in self and understanding our value and our worth. And, um, and not just the financial investment, just the investment of time too, right? Mm -hmm. Making that time to do it. Yeah. And I think what most people don't think about is the return. Um, I work with a lot of moms who um, have either have young children or now they're empty nesters, their children have left the home. 
um, but they didn't take time for themselves. And now that they are, they're realizing how much more energy they have, how much better their relationship is. Um, you know, they can pick up their grandkids, they can go on hikes, they can travel and adventure and do all these things that they couldn't do before um, or weren't able to do because they weren't taking that time for themselves. So to really think about, like you said, same with your finances, the long-term gain, what is the long-term gain? Yeah. I wonder too, the, just the idea of, um, I know sometimes the blocks in business and in money is that we, we sometimes think too, too far reaching. We're thinking, okay, well, you know, I need to build a $1.5 million retirement portfolio, or I, you know, I'm looking to lose 50 pounds. And so the, the, the goal might almost be too far sometimes where I found in, in, in fitness and in finance, I, th- I think what empowers us, so share this with me from a, from a fitness perspective, is that you, when we just take just that one step, sometimes there's so much strength in knowing that we've just decided to move forward, that we just made that commitment, that we're falling forward. Um, we don't exactly know where it's going to go. But I, I've noticed from a financial perspective, it's not about getting it right. It's not about nailing it. It's not, it's just taking those steps, those uncomfortable steps forward. Is there a correlation there in fitness too, do you think? Yeah, definitely. I would say so. And I think, I mean, especially with fitness, people tend to be all or nothing, um, fitness and nutrition. Um, you know, it's either I'm going to do it all or I'm going to do nothing. And maybe you notice that too with, yeah. you know, oh, I'll wait till the next paycheck. Um, So with fitness, it's, oh, I'll wait till Monday or I'll wait till my kids are in school or whatever that might look like. Yeah. Um, But I think that like teaching people to take one small step and people don't want to do that. They don't want to do the easy things because I think that it should be really hard. Mm -hmm. And I'd rather have someone do one push-up a day for an entire year than 10 push-ups a day for a week and then not do another one for the rest of the year. And so it's really teaching people the value of doing the small things, um, but doing them consistently. I love that. I think there's, I'm sure there's many books out there, but on this topic, but I know one that comes to mind is, um, I think it's Atomic Habits and is the the name of the author escapes me right now, but it's that whole philosophy of just one small little thing a day is what actually starts to build, build the habit, not major, not major jumps and, and chasm crossings. Yeah. And I think of, um, I think one of the first books I ever read when it came to personal growth and development was The Richest Man in Babylon. And so Mm. um, saving 10%. And I think that goes towards your health too. Like if you can put 10% of your energy into eating well and moving your body, like 10% isn't a lot, but it makes a big difference. I love that. That's so powerful. I think I, I, I got an Apple watch just so that I, and I know, sorry, I I know there's many other watches you can buy out there, but it is, it was just about being aware of where I'm spending my energy and just those small little steps of just move 10% a day. And to your point, you know, from a fitness perspective, it was okay. You know, if I can't run 5k a day, I'm just not going to go out. Right. And then I'm like, okay, you know what? Just walk it, just go freaking walk it your body doesn't move like it did before COVID anyways you have been there for me through this whole year where you know just really encouraging me to like get off the chair and 
anyways, that's a whole separate episode of, you know, physical inaction through COVID. But um, I love that. So lots of lots of correlations there. But what I'm hearing in that too is, again, it starts with self and understanding and appreciating your value and whether or not you're prepared to invest in yourself time and money to make sure that it all kind of it all kind of fits together. Yeah. Okay. Now, this next question I have for you, I have actually been using your story as an example when I've been working with other founders on this topic of bottom line, net profit. It's a subject that, you know, cloaked in a lot of shame. There's, you know, where we live in a society where it's greedy, it's opportunistic. Oh my God, don't profit in business. That's a bad thing, right? Yeah, cutthroat. And I know we did some work on this and I feel, so correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel there was this transformational moment. Actually, maybe before we go there, maybe let me ask you, what was your perception of profit before we started working together and understanding the whole behavioral piece? What, what, when you heard of businesses profiting in business and you have to drive profit and you have to have that, that, uh, that net profit bottom line result there, how did you react to that? Uh, I think I was actually resistant at times because it felt very masculine and achieve, um, but it also felt like greedy and taking advantage of my members. Um, and so between that and also like there's a whole um, whole nother can of worms really when you think about the staff too, you know, um, profit here and paying staff and what's fair and what's um, so really like this idea of fairness. And I think the easiest solution subconsciously was to just not have a lot of profit because then it takes away some of those worries or fears or um, feelings around that. I, yeah, I, I, as you're talking, it, it ties into everything we we're just talking about, right? Around self-worth and uh, the pro and then the guilt to have that extra money. So now, that you, you know, you've gone through this process of understanding what it takes. How do you perceive net profit now? How has that changed for you? It's definitely more of a goal um, and more comfortable with that. Um, and I also heard um, once a comparison that money is um, like a brick. So if you think of money as a brick, it can be used to break a car window or it can be used to build a house. And so seeing it as, you know, I can build a house with this, let's focus on what I'm building, um, on what we're building and not on, you know, how could this be perceived as greedy or bad, but really what can we build and how can we contribute and give back with that? And I've learned that I can't pay myself, I can't build my own future and I can't build a future for our company or our community if, if I'm not focusing on net profit. I love that. I love that. Thank you for sharing that, Brady. I think that is so powerful. And I know that when we started talking about, and you've just alluded to this now, but when you have that healthy bottom line, you can find ways to start giving that back out, right? The whole philanth uh, philanthropic idea of the how you can make the world a better place through that net profit. And do you, I, I, if you're open to it, would you share some of the incredible things that you do in your community, like your birthday events, your, your Christmas events, just so that people can get the sense of this is what a healthy business can actually give back to their community. Maybe share those two examples because I 
they warm my heart. So I know they'll warm the heart of listeners. Yeah. Um, each year for my birthday, I like to do something extravagant, um, in a way that will give back. And so, um, last, the last couple of years we've done birthdays in a bag. And so we had people donate, um, a bag, a birthday bag with like a cake mix and a toy and icing and a few fun things, party favors for birthdays. Um, and it was such a blessing. We, I actually got too busy to distribute them after my birthday in November. And so we were able to give them out during COVID to all the kids who did not get to have a birthday party. And we had, um, I had 84 birthday bags saved. I'm not 84 years old. We exceeded our goal, but we had 84 (laughs) birthday bags. Um, and people and businesses wanted to get on board. And I think we delivered 150 or so birthday in a bags um, during COVID, which was so great to watch kids open it and get to see um, some joy in not being able to have a birthday or not being able to see their friends. Well, that, and it feels like, so I'm just, I'm getting goosebumps, but the, the whole, your spark then it started to just it, this this pay it forward with other businesses getting involved and then giving them the opportunity of feeling what it feels like to be able to give back because you're a healthy business right there's just there's there's a lot of power and and a lot of power just in that seed that you you planted so oh i love that um and what about christmas you do something pretty phenomenal at christmas too Yeah, we, um, in the past, we've done Operation Christmas Child, but the last year we wanted to get on board with our angel tree um, so we could directly support local. And so it was our goal to get 30 30 of something each week. So we wanted to support different areas. So we wanted to get um, 30 games for seniors, um, 30 kids for toys, um, 30 sets of pajamas for kids. And to be honest, I can't even remember the other one, there was so many. Um, so we tried to do 30 a week for four weeks and we raised thousands and thousands of dollars worth of toys, pajamas, um, meals for seniors. We had games for seniors. So it was really incredible. And it was so great to see like our community expand, not do just our Encompass members, but um, the community got really involved. And it's just, I love that we can use business to have something and do something fun like that. We had a sign war um, the last couple of months and that in itself was amazing just to bring the community together. So um, I think for me to learn that your business doesn't have to be a charity, but you can be very charitable with your business. That was, that's been a big lesson. I feel like I need to write that one down, but I know that I can catch it in the, so you don't need to be a charity to be charitable, right? Like I, I love that. Oh, okay. That's going to, we're going to have to take that one out. That feels like a bottom line moment right there. That's very powerful. Um, I love that. And that's, you know, that's kind of where I was going with this whole thought in my mind is that you've managed to do all of this without compromising the business, without compromising yourself, you're still getting paid and the business is still growing and flourishing as a result. And now the community has that extra added benefit too. Because I know I can hear a lot of women founders and men, but predominantly my experience, a lot of women will do the martyrdom thing where they'll do all of this work for their community. And meanwhile, they're struggling at home. So I just, I love the example that you're setting and the role model that you are for people watching and listening to this because it can, you can be everything, right? And and get all of these different facets covered off. So thank you for that. Okay, um, in closing, I just kind of want to wrap um, wrap my thoughts, wrap your ideas around some thoughts here around 
um, becoming financially fierce. So the way that uh, we articulate fin financial ferocity at Nail the Numbers is really just the courage to see where you're at, um, the, the strength and boldness to actually look at where you need to be. So where are you at now financially? Where do you need to be? What are you building? And then just the, the, the discipline and the tenacity to take one step at a time. So uh, you are the epitome of being financially fierce, being physically fierce, mentally fierce, you know, across the board. So when we look at your catalyst, if we go back to that February and we think, okay, what was the catalyst to actually take a look at where are we at now? Correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like just the, the you, you didn't feel healthy. You weren't paying yourself the business. Is that, would that be, would that be right? Yeah, absolutely. I wasn't paying myself. So I wasn't able to, su wasn't supporting myself well. Um, and then I think that also causes a lot of resentment, right? You're paying mm -hmm. others, you're doing all this work and you're getting nothing in return. And so for myself, I wanted to change that. I knew if I didn't change what I was doing, um, there wouldn't be an encompass much longer. Um, and going through COVID and actually paying myself every single month and I pay myself first now. Um, I take the first fruit of um, what comes in and I pay myself so that I know um, that I'm not the table scraps, that if, if after I pay myself, there's not enough money or net profit, then I get to work to create something to generate that. Beautiful. And so then when we start talking now about the, 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 the process and the boldness to actually see where it is that you need to go. Now, we've actually walked through that process together of what it would take to actually get the business to a profitable situation. Um, what did that feel like for you to actually walk through that process? It was very uncomfortable, um, especially coming from that fixed mindset of like, numbers in themselves make me uncomfortable. So having to face my numbers, having to look at maybe how I had got to that situation, um, which I mean, again, I think it correlates to fitness. So many times um, women try to hate themselves healthy. And so they hate where they got to, you know, I hate that my body looks like this or that I had three kids and this is where I am. But I think we have to accept where you're at in order to move forwards. And so if you don't ever know those numbers, how can you accept that you got there and then just build your way out of that? Oh. And so to be able to see those numbers and then just say like, okay, this is where I'm at, at. like, let's, let's move forward from here. And also I'm, I put a lot of pressure on myself. So it was like, let's move forward. What do we need to do? Um, but to actually take some of that pressure off and know that Hey, it doesn't have to be achieved overnight. Like, let's make a 12 month plan and then start building. I, okay. And so that walks me, that walks us right into this next, the third aspect, um, which is something that I've always admired about you is um, your perpetual motion. So if the third one is now you take the first step and you just continue to take steps forward, doesn't matter if you make a mistake, you fall down, you brush yourself off, you learn from it. You are, um, again, I, I think you're, you're like the poster person for walk through it, get it done. Um, do you feel that that is something that can be learned or is that just innate to you, that ability to, to, to really walk through that fear because you've done it over and over and over again, um, to walk through it and, and to get through on the other side? And if it, do, so I guess maybe that's the first question. Can, can we learn it? Or do you think it's, it's, it's just you're, you're born with it? 
I think we can learn it most definitely. Um, just like a growth mindset, we can, you know, we can learn anything if we're willing to. Um, I do think I have maybe a bit of that naturally within me. And I don't know, part of that might even be from, like I said, the fitness at a young age, building that perseverance and that optimism. Um, but I am also an Enneagram three, which is the achiever. And so that is part of my, um, innate action, I guess, is to like, to achieve, to do the next thing to get it done. Okay. And you've, you've given us lots of, um, lots of tips in terms of how you approach this. I'm looking to just kind of summarize here in the end. And so my mind is going back to all of the advice that you've just shared with us, but for those people that aren't the overachievers that are sitting there that, you know, let's just say they have the courage to see where they're at. They now have a plan on where they need to be. And now they're just sitting there in that spot of, I have to take the first step. You've shared with us, you know, maybe break it down, maybe make the goal a little bit smaller. Um, any closing advice on just taking that next step, getting like putting that foot out and just walking through it? Yeah, I think it's really becoming comfortable with your fear, um, like allowing that fear not to rule over you, but to like get to know it a little bit. It's almost like you're going to you're going to date your fear. You're going to create a relationship with it. Um, because then I don't want to say that you're in control of your fear, but you're not afraid of it. And whether that fear, like for me, was numbers. Um, I still had to force myself for a very long time to look at my numbers and to also be objective and not subjective. Like, what does this mean if my numbers are bad? Right. Um, where did I go wrong? But to really just become comfortable with that. I recently just got like a math app on my phone so that I can play math games because going back to my childhood, like minute math gave me so much anxiety. And it was again, all about those numbers. So if I can become friends with my fears and my numbers, um, then it's just a friendship and you're going to have ups and downs and maybe a little arguments, but, um, to really, yeah, I guess that'd be my biggest advice is just become friends with your fears. Love it. Love it. What a powerful way to end this, uh, to end this interview. I think, uh, I think that's brilliant. And we're definitely going to um, share that one around. So thank you, Brady, become friends with your fear. I love it. Yeah, it takes all the it takes all the, uh, the, the edge off of it, doesn't it? All right, Brady. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for being you. Thank you for being as financially fierce as you are, as physically fierce as you are. Um, there's a shot that I saw of you that I think just really epitomizes everything that you are at your core. You're, you know, you're, you're standing there. I think you've got a, a sledgehammer or something and you're just like ready to rip into it. And I just, I love that because I feel like that's how you, you probably take on every day right? It's just like, let's do it. Let's go for it and, and uh, make friends with the fear, make friends with the sledgehammer. All right, Brady, thank you so much for being here. A big shout out to our episode champions, Community Future Sunrise. They're right there in your neighborhood. They're <laughs> round the corner. They're there to help entrepreneurs not only build the business plan, but they're to help them nail the numbers as well. Thank you for tuning in and look forward to seeing you in the next episode of The Gap Lab.